Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. For a lot of people living with a mental health condition, receiving a diagnosis starts the process of explanation and acceptance. For Seb Alvarez, vocalist of Meth and concert promoter in Chicago, an escalation into mania forced him to check into the hospital to stay safe before he was brought to a mental health facility. Upon release and with therapeutic measures in place, Seb was finally able to address the bipolar condition he's lived with for years. Creating music has shifted for Seb after being diagnosed. He's looking internally and bearing his soul holding nothing back in the music and his performances. It's a level of vulnerability that he finds discomforting, but also validating. My name's Seb Alvarez. I am the vocalist of the band Meth. I'm also a talent buyer production person based in Chicago as well. I started uh, playing music roughly around the time I was like 14, 15 was when I started my first band. And I've been in bands nonstop ever since. I don't think there's been a point in my life I haven't been somewhat involved in some sort of music thing. In the last couple of years, I was diagnosed as bipolar 2 and just trying to figure out life with that over the last four years, I guess, at this point. But yeah, it's just, it's been a journey, honestly, like just kind of trying to adapt to that and recognize what some of my habits are, what is kind of acting in line with my mental illness and what is more of myself as a person and trying to figure out the in-between of living with it I guess it's uh been kind of weird (laughs) yeah that's a tough one to parse out you know what is bipolar what is me and you know I think there's probably a meshing of the two that you have to navigate as well Mm -hmm. so a lot of folks go 
years and years being undiagnosed, maybe having some idea that things are not quite right. Some folks even know that they are living with bipolar but haven't had a proper diagnosis. For you, what led up to the diagnosis? Where was your life at that point? I was kind of struggling. I feel very much like I was one of those people that kind of knew I had something going on, but I had just never been properly put in front of a doctor or something to just get myself diagnosed in any sort of way. I don't know if it was just like based out of fear of confronting that and it becoming validated or not. It was right after the pandemic had started and we were like a weekend or so and I kept working through it. I was working like just pizza job, just working in the kitchen, trying to do what I could. And I was struggling really heavily with drinking while I was there, you know, line cooking and just taking shots of booze and just trying to find whatever the hell I could find while I was there. And everything just kind of uh, came to a head one night in particular. I just remember that night feeling very uh, out of body. I'd come home, I'd been drinking at work, and stuff just kind of snowballed. And I just remember it being like two in the morning and just things escalated to a point that I didn't really feel like I had control over like myself as a person. That stereotype of feeling like you're kind of just out of body watching yourself like do and act in a lot of ways um, was very much there. And I had attempted to self-harm and just needed to get out of where I was at that time. And my partner actually drove me to a hospital and dropped me off. And then I was in a mental health facility for a week. Um, and that's where I had gotten diagnosed as bipolar. So did they put you in involuntarily or did you check yourself in or? I checked myself in. Um, I just remember getting there, kind of elaborating at the hospital, like a little bit of what went on. But even thinking back on it, it's just like everything's so foggy. And I remember being in the hospital room and just kind of like staring up at the ceiling while someone came in to check on me and was just asking me questions about everything. And all of that's kind of a blur. And like the next thing I remember was I was just laying in the back of an ambulance getting driven out to a facility and I was just kind of knocked out for it was like a day and a half where I just didn't leave the room I just had no will or energy to really communicate with people my parents both called me and my partner and I screened their calls the first day but I was just like just tell them I'm fine like I'll call them when I'm ready and it just took me a while to kind of come to terms with it and then just kind of adapting and just jumped into the group therapies. And I just wanted to know, I guess, what, I don't even want to say like what was wrong with me, but just like what I was feeling at that time. I just needed some sort of validation into that I didn't feel like I was just kind of like losing my head. And I've always kind of struggled with. I mean, especially like during this time period in particular, like December, January, like I almost feel like every year gets 
slightly worse in a way where especially in December I, I don't I don't know what it is it's just it becomes harder and harder for me to kind of dig myself out of like certain holes and I always feel like there's a day in December every year where I just kind of escalate to a point that I feel very uh just out of body out of control of what I'm doing and things just kind of escalate. So with what people classify as being bipolar too, I'm not a big believer in the numbers because I feel like you can go from one to two and back to one. And yeah, <laughs> I understand the diagnosis um, of two tends to be more towards the depression and not so much of the mania, but I have manic episodes that again, lead back to depression. As you and I both know, it's a vicious cycle of moods. Do you remember when you were playing in bands? A lot of folks will play in bands, and that's a good place to kind of release all this stuff. I think subconsciously before the diagnosis, there was a lot in my performance as a musician, and I wasn't, like with meth, I'm the front person, so it's just everything feels a lot more like performative, and I have to like kind of get a lot more into um I guess for lack of better terms, just the entertaining aspect where it's just like, I want to like encapsulate and like put on a performance. Whereas a lot of the projects before it was like, I've been a drummer for half of my life at this point, And I was drumming in most bands and playing bass. And whenever I play, I'd always try to put like as much emphasis into my performance as I could. And like, it felt like a release in a lot of ways, but it didn't, necessarily correlate to how I was feeling mentally whereas post diagnosis and I feel like a lot with the most recent meth sets just relieving in a way and it just like kind of encompasses everything that I'm feeling this huge stress ball I always feel like I have that's just kind of like lingering and for that 30 minute set or whatever it's just like as soon as I let everything go it feels very relieving I don't know. I've really been thinking about a lot as I'm trying to like find healthier methods to just approach life in general. It definitely correlates with the aggression and the intensity of the music. Most people that get drawn into that aren't people that are looking for like happier outlets into everything all the time it's like there's usually something inside of you that is drawn to that whether it be like anger or sadness or that weird in between of the mental health and not really knowing what's going on and kind of getting drawn into weirder music and just things that are a little bit more outside of the box because what's in the box doesn't really scratch an itch when I was younger, it was just like I felt excluded in areas I wanted to be included in. And it was just like dealing with a lot of childhood, like rejection of friends, even within family, like my family life was fine for the most part. But my parents divorced when I was really young. And I have six siblings, but my two older siblings are blood siblings. And then I have four younger siblings who were half siblings. They're all 10 or more years younger than I am. My older siblings like had moved out when I was like a teenager and everything. And I just had this weird upbringing where I was just kind of alone in a lot of ways. And I was just kind of trying to find my identity in a lot of ways. And 
I wasn't really like seeking it out, but it was just like instinctually what I was looking for. And I got into very heavy, weird, abrasive music, like all of the weird MySpace bands, just like getting into like Daughters. realness of it all it really resonated with me because it just felt so gross and it felt like you were kind of getting stabbed by the music in a lot of ways and I, I just never felt like completely like content or okay with where I was and even to this day it's just like I always question what I'm doing or my ability to do something in that I've always found any sort of goal I can achieve for myself. There's this fleeting sense of accomplishment. I set a goal or something that was like, oh, we're going to tour like a couple months out of this year, or we had this really cool opportunity to open for this really cool big band that I've always wanted to play for. And it, there's that brief second of, oh, this is really cool. Like, I feel great being able to do this. And you get this sense of accomplishment. But I've always found myself kind of like knocking it down a peg because I'm the one accomplishing it in a weird way. That's been a thing lately, especially that I've been really trying to grasp why I try to tear myself down in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that like meth is doing right now that if you told me when I was like 16 that I'd be doing now, I'd be like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like, I can't believe we're doing this. And like, it just feels like there's just this never ending like hole that I can't fill. And there's just always this void of nothingness in a weird way of I don't feel much when it comes to the things that I feel like I should feel a lot towards or feel good that I'm accomplishing. How much of what you're talking about is, do you think, linked to your bipolar symptoms? Because one of the symptoms of a bipolar is to not feel enjoyment of the things that you normally enjoy on the depression side. Do you think about the symptoms and sort of how they relate? In some ways I do. I just, I, I have trouble accrediting so much to the bipolar aspect of it because it's like I don't want to give that so much credit over how I'm feeling and everything but it's very hard in a lot of ways too like especially periods when I'm like off medication versus when I'm on medication um because there's been medications that I've taken where I feel like I just don't feel anything like regardless of if it's good or bad or whatever I'm just kind of very just like eh about everything and it feels very numbing in a lot of ways but when I'm off of it I feel like I have extreme fleeting highs and really long <laughs> just lows where I'm just kind of like beating myself up I've kind of identified as my manic episodes and stuff is what I'm taking on a lot at a time and I'm just kind of taking on like projects or like, oh yeah, we can play like these two shows and then, oh, you want, you want to like jam sometime? Yeah, I can make time to like go and jam and I have to work. Even today I woke up at like 2 AM and worked <laughs> just for like show booking and stuff until nine or 10. And then I was like, I have to go run over like and get like a math practice orchestrated and then 
I know I was like texting you before and it was like, I have to go back and like figure out some work stuff. And it's getting in those habits where I don't really feel like I have a lot of personal time to myself where I can kind of like come down and just like really take things in. Yeah, you're really speaking my language right now because I do exactly the same thing. I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop running. I want to keep going. I want to run hot and run hot until I can't anymore. And part of it is because I'm so used to having depression and depressive episodes that I don't know how long they're necessarily going to last. I figure if I'm busy and I've got things planned, then at least if I am feeling down, I'm still seeing people and I'm still out playing tennis or I'm still picking up my kid or whatever the case may be. So it's almost like a antibody for the depression in some ways. No, it it really does feel like that because it... But it drives you high, right? And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. In these instances, it's just like I'm at like a 10 and I'm just like ready to go and I want to like put all my effort into every little project. And when people hit me up during this time and are like, hey, like, can you collaborate on a song or something? It's just like my first instinct is like, yeah, I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity. I want to like contribute or like create. And I love creating and that's really what gets me going, like not just musically, just like in general. And having any opportunity to like make something and kind of just like put myself into something always feels like really rewarding and I'm seeking it out. I'm hitting this stride right now after coming down from just downtime and work was really slow and I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to try to take it easy. And I think I just took it too easy, but I couldn't really get myself to get to this point (laughs) again until it felt like it was like a five alarm fire where I was like, I need to jump back into everything and make sure everything's okay. And I need to check my emails and get back to people and get back to coordinating shows and not just sit in bed all day and try to like calm. And it's a weird balance that I don't know if I'll ever like really find. I don't know if you feel this way, but it's just like, there's something with weird spark of I don't know if it's mania or anything but it's just that weird spark that you get where it's just like your adrenaline's flowing and you just want to like do every single thing that you possibly can and it feels so good to just kind of like have your hands in all these things and then you do that for like a few weeks I find myself getting into these weird writing spells a lot I'd had a couple months where I'd write two to three songs a week almost and then funnel out all these songs and ideas, send them out to people. And then all of a sudden I feel like I was dormant for like three months and just didn't do anything. Yeah. I get that for sure. Yeah. What I've learned is that the stable times are the times to really look at things in an even keel way and decide what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. The depressive sides of the times to kind of be introspective and try to think of things and try to like you know, really sit in feelings or ideas. And then of course the manic side is like the creative side and it's the make things happen, you do things. So it's kind of like you, if you can think about it in those three senses and what I often do is I'll like let the cycle go a couple of times before I make a big decision about something. Yeah. <laughs> because I think if I'm running hot, I'll just say yes, yes, yes. And one of the things that we talk about in our support group is that every no is a victory. And what we mean by that is that, you know, when you can say no to something that maybe isn't the best thing for you, that's a win. But yeah, it's really tough. It's tough to figure out where I'm at in a given day. Like, am I feeling too high to make this decision? Am I feeling too depressed to really see what the truth is on this? You know, because obviously depression brings a lot of skewed thoughts and a lot of beating yourself up. 
it's a weird balance. Honestly, that is like a wonderful piece of advice. <laughs> I don't know what it is in general. It's just, it's so hard to say no to things. I always want to help and contribute when I'm asked, especially. And the more and more you get asked for things, looking at everything in like a bigger picture and just being like, well, I need to attribute time for like my loved ones and my family and like being able to do that. And finding that balance has just been extremely hard in terms of wanting to do as much as I possibly can. But also knowing too that it's, yeah, you need time for yourself. You need to spend time with your people and the people that aren't just associated with creating and just your day-to-day goals. Like you want to be around the people that love to be around you when you're just at home, like doing nothing. <laughs> if a friend called you today and said, hey, I'm moving, what are you going to say, right? <laughs> yeah, let me let me see what I can do. <laughs> like, exactly. Let me see what I can move around. You want to be there because it makes you feel like, for lack of better terms, it just makes you feel like you're being a good person in a lot of ways, but you're also harming yourself just physically and stress and everything where it's just that toll of, okay, I have to come home. I'm going to sleep for a couple hours and then get up and go and do whatever. And I, the sleep schedule and everything too, is just so all over the place. I don't know. I feel like, especially lately, it's my sleep schedules. I fall asleep at like 10 PM for maybe like three hours. Then I'm up for like seven, eight hours. I fall asleep for another couple hours. And then that's like my day is like, I get like five, six accumulative hours of sleep, but like, it's never consistent. And it's funny because for most folks that maybe don't deal with mood episodes and bipolar, that would make them feel really gross and tired and like, oh God, I got to get some sleep. But with (laughs) people that are dealing with mania or hypomania, it just actually makes you more and more energetic and you need all of a sudden need less sleep. The exact opposite. Yeah. (laughs) It's bizarre. It's super strange. I mean, the last few days, I feel like I maybe have gotten 12 to 15 hours total sleep and I feel completely fine. And I'm just like, I'm ready to go and like do whatever I can. But I know that also plays a factor into my normal thinking and decision making and just finding that rest in general. It's just hard. It's super, it's interesting to talk about. I never get to talk about this. (laughs) Being able to say it out loud is definitely a different. <laughs> and what part does the music play in you trying to figure things out now that you know what's going on or at least have an explanation of how things have been? How has the music maybe changed or played into that? It helps in certain ways. I think the performance aspect of it helps to release a lot, especially stress, just kind of taking everything that's going on, whether it just be like stuff for my personal life, stuff for my work life or managing and doing all the stuff for the band and everything. It just snowball that and know that, hey, I don't have to talk to anyone for a half hour, 45 minutes, and I can go up and just perform and let myself loose. And I don't feel like I have to cover up anything or bury anything. And I I feel like that's always a really complicated part for myself is I never feel like I can fully be like a hundred percent authentic in a lot of ways. And I don't know why no one's makes me feel like I can't. It's just I've built up a lot of trust issues and I don't know if you feel this way either. It's just 
when you're kind of like talking to people and like you just feel like you're almost like burdening people about stuff even if it's not anything like that it, I feel very much like I put an olive branch out and try to talk about things but I'm the one that like retracts it really quickly because I just feel like nothing I'm saying or feeling is worth anything and trying to get out of that headspace is really 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 hard <laughs> so it sounds like you're putting a lot of your emotions and struggles into that music yeah it's i mean especially with like with the upcoming meth record one of the few times i've really felt that i was able to be honest with myself in a lot of ways and write free-flowing from like my head and just taking like my raw emotion in a lot of way and just writing it out and letting it express through the music and everything and it feels really good it's just in terms of like now that it's all said and done and everything and it's hard to kind of like re-dig into those emotions in a lot of ways felt very specifically when I was writing a lot of that but also hard to talk about because I'm not used to talking about any of this so having that out there in a lot of ways I guess I just feel a lot more vulnerable than I feel comfortable with, but I really wanted to push myself to feel uncomfortable and put that out there because I wanted to personally try to find some sort of growth from it and challenge myself because it's just so important to challenge yourself in any way that you can, especially when it comes to your art and everything. How do you grow if you're not challenging yourself or trying stuff and failing and trying whatever you can to just be better to whatever being better means to you as an artist or a person. That was my conversation with Seb Alvarez of Meth, methil.bandcamp.com. For more episodes of Screen Therapy, go to screentherapyhq.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Big news, the Screen Therapy book is available now. Screen Therapy, a punk journey through mental health, tells my story and the stories of others who use punk as a catalyst for mental health. Like this podcast, it links the community-minded punk scene with the mental wellness of the punks who belong to it. To order the book, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. For merch, check out the newly opened store at ScreenTherapyHQ.com store. And for even more designs, check out Scream Therapy on TeePublic. Okay, enough promoting. It's time for some thanking. Thank you for listening to Screen Therapy. Doing this podcast and talking to folks about punk rock and mental health has been a crucial part of my own mental stability, and it means so much to me that you're out there listening. Screen Therapy is created in the Cathet region of coastal British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klahaman Nation. Contact me at ScreenTherapyHQ.com or email me at ScreenTherapyPodcast at gmail.com. 
I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about punk rock and mental health. Until next time, take care and be well.